This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their PM skills. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, I'll be talking with Joanna Mason, a licensed professional engineer and senior project manager at Schnabel Geostructural Design and Construction, about the challenges and best practices of managing large, complex construction projects. We're going to cover topics ranging from communication and coordination with stakeholders to ensuring project success within budget and timeline constraints. And Joanna's really going to drive home the importance of expectations, setting expectations early and reinforcing and meeting those expectations throughout the lifetime of your projects. Joanna's also going to share her expertise on documenting and mitigating risks and how she ensures that safety measures are in place to keep people safe and productive while on the job. Let's jump right in. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the show for today. Joanna Mason is a licensed professional engineer. She's also a senior project manager at Schnabel Geostructural Design and Construction. Joanna, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. Thank you. So Joanna, tell us a little bit about what you do at Schnabel on a daily basis. I manage large projects. I am also involved in the pre-construction phase as we're bidding for large projects. I come in and I give productivity information to the client, help lay out expectations when we get on the job to kind of be a second to our lead estimators on a daily basis. I mean, I'm monitoring my active projects, approving costs, doing look-aheads for upcoming projects. I mean, I could be sitting with a an engineering student one day and then the next day, you know, making six-figure decisions. Every day is different, depends on what we found in the ground that day sometimes. Tell us about your background educational-wise. What type of engineering? I studied civil engineering at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. I stayed for a master's degree, spent time in the geotech lab at the college, and really enjoyed teaching students, but didn't want to stay in academia. It's nice to be out in the sun, in the dirt, building things. I like being part of a team. 
And you have your master's degree in civil engineering as well, correct? Yep. I studied geotechnical. Rensselaer is a pretty small school. So in my graduate year, I did a mix of structural and geotechnical courses to which we've recently rebranded to from Schnabel Foundation Company to Schnabel Geostructural Design and Construction because we found that what we do is structures in the ground, structures holding up the ground, temporary and permanent retaining walls from in big cities all the way to rural landslides in the middle of the country. So the work we do is very unique. And I've not had two projects that have been exactly the same in 16 years. It's cool. Let's talk about projects. So what would you say are some of the bigger challenges that you faced when you managed these larger geotechnical projects and take us through what the challenges are, how you might have addressed them? Let's dive into that a little bit. At the beginning of a project, the owner makes a geotechnical report. So part of that is soil sampling, reading the geotech engineer's recommendations. And as the contractor, we have to sift through that, decide design parameters, decide what's the most cost-efficient system to provide to the client. So it's a lot of reading through a lot of documents. And then when we get on the job, it's all the unforeseen conditions that weren't mentioned in the reports, dealing with different drill methods, making our assumptions come to real life. And sometimes those assumptions need to be adjusted. The biggest is just what we find in the ground, old foundations, different underground water conditions that aren't in the project documents. Those are kind of the fun problems that we deal with. When we do our project management training, we include a quote in the training, which is actually a quote from Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I feel like that really represents kind of project management engineering. Going into it, we have a project plan, we know what we want to do, and then you kind of get hit with something that you don't expect. And my wife is a geotechnical engineer as well. So I do really understand that. I think of kind of all the disciplines. I know that risk is kind of inherent in all types of engineering projects, but geotechnical, when you go subsurface, you dig a hole in the ground and a million different things could happen. So it's really one of those areas of, I think, project management where that risk factor is even kind of elevated or that unknown is really elevated. To your point, you get a report, you see what the report says, but then you have to get out there and get going on the project. And kind of dealing with that. And so to that point, obviously communication and coordination with stakeholders is critical during larger projects, really all projects, and it can be really complex. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience in kind of managing the stakeholder communication side of these geotech projects. Yeah, obviously the owner is who we all answer to, but as the specialty geotech, I'm working directly for the general contractor, construction manager, typically. But depending on different cities that we work in, you have to have a permit to do the work that we do. So sometimes we're brought on very early and work directly with the owner and get assigned to a general contractor. So it's having a very transparent relationship with the owner and then eventually the general contractor who becomes our client and just communicating its expectations is the the main thing. What they should expect, how quick it's going to take us, because it seems like in the last 
five to 10 years, schedule is the number one thing. How fast can you do it? And the faster it is, the cheaper it is a lot of times for other people. But the faster we go, the more expensive it can be. You know, we have to add chemicals to our grouts. We have to have a lot of overtime on projects. So there's all these complicated aspects to the work and just making sure that we're giving the best product in the most efficient timeline is the biggest thing. So there's also you throw in the the owner's third-party inspection testing agency, and it's a fun challenge to work with all the parties because, you know, we have the owner reporting on the work that we're doing to make sure that we're following specs and project documents. But since the work that we do is so specially, it's so design-build, there's not a lot of groups that understand how and why we do the things that we do. So it's a lot of us saying, hey, this is okay. Whereas it's not like the concrete that you put in a building, right? There's specs. There's a lot of black and white rules with that. For us, because of the geotech, different soils, we can do different things in clays that we can do in sands. And just the earth behaves a little bit differently depending on how wet it is, how heavy it is, how cohesive, how non-cohesive. It's a big mix of factors. So if you have an owner or a general contractor who did sheeting and shoring, say, in one part of the country and understands it there, it could be a totally different system, totally different design as in another, like the Kentucky shales behave so much differently than like a coastal plains soil in North Carolina. So trying to communicate, hey, we're in a different part of the country and just understanding expectations with all the parties is a big challenge. It's a lot of communicating and a lot of just managing people's expectations. That word expectations, I think you really hit it with that because to me, from everything I've seen in project management, it's when expectations aren't met is when the project gets off track. And I actually read a book not too long ago. I talked a little bit about this, this idea of this expectations gap. When there's an expectations gap, meaning you know you have one expectation and I have another, there's going to be that gap that creates anger, distrust between people. You know, If the client's expecting you to get a project done in two weeks and you're thinking that you have a month, it's not going to end well in that situation. And so I think the way that you can avoid that is a lot of communication about the expectations early on and then continuing to reinforce those expectations. We like to say that kickoff meeting is a great place to set the expectations. Of course, they may change, but kind of that ability to anchor them and then kind of go from there. And I think the one thing too that you mentioned that is probably very relevant in project management in any line of business, any type of engineering, is the idea of like identifying like all the variables or things that can change or go wrong on your project. I mean, obviously in the geotech world, there's lots of variables like you mentioned, like different types of soil, different locations, different guidelines, or you're allowed to use certain things. And so if you're a project manager and you're preparing your PMP or your project plan, I should say, you're going to want to understand what some of those risks are and come up with some different scenarios and different plan Bs ahead of time, assuming that some of these things might happen. That's also something that a lot of organizations do in the proposal or the budgeting process, right? You come up with contingency price that you're building into it because you have to account for some of these variables or these risks that are inherent in your project. So 
that's a really important takeaway. And I know that you know Joanna's working on geotech projects that have a lot of variables, but you may work on a different project. There's always going to be some variables in your projects and you have to identify them. Right. So let's talk about that a little deeper. Talk about how you might document and mitigate expense risks in geotechnical projects, such as dealing with unknown utilities or uncovering foundations that you weren't aware of. At the heart of it, we're a contractor. And what that means is we have a contract. So the idea is knowing your contract, doing your homework ahead of time. How many days do I have to notify my client that, hey, I found a underground duct bank running through the job site. We found water that's pouring out through the, the lagging boards. Old foundations, we can't drill 10 feet in the ground. We're on refusal. That's not right. So just identifying any changed conditions right away, notifying the client, understanding is it a call, an email, a letter. Every contract is different following notice provisions and giving some sort of a, there's expectation again, like, hey, this might take us an additional week of time on our contract. We're going to have, over time, we're going to have extra material. We have to change our tools to get through. I'm on a job uh, right now where we found all these old steel obstructions. Well, steel is pretty hard to drill through. So we had to get some special bits brought in that you know had tungsten metal on them and it was very expensive and just having you know notifying the client hey i have to use this to get through this in my experience and as long as you're able to provide an estimate on this is what our exposure is this is what it will cost and then kind of getting the buy in early on instead of just proceeding and not informing the client i mean that's the biggest way to to kind of mitigate risks and work together as a team to solve these problems. Because usually they affect other traits too, could affect the foundations if you're of the new building, if you're on softer material that you're expecting, or if you found bedrock higher than what the report said, maybe the excavating contractor is going to have to blast. There's so many different things that Early notification helps everybody mitigate costs. The word expectations keep coming up, right? Because that's an important part of this. But I think just going back to something you said there at the beginning of that, the contracts piece of it, I think is really important. I know on the design engineering or consulting side of things where I worked at a consulting firm, sometimes if I'm the project manager on a project, I may have not even written the proposal or contract for that project. I need to make sure that I get that and that I go through it and then I understand what we're responsible for, what we're not responsible for, what's been excluded from that project so that if something does come up, it has to just kind of trigger in my head that that's outside of our scope of work or that's something that you know we only bid this much for and it ends up that they're looking for some additional work on it. And so getting familiar with the contract is really important. And for some of you that are a PM and you write the proposals or you're specifically the one going through the RFP, it may sound obvious to you, but there are situations where the project manager may not have access to that right from the beginning of a project, may not be the one who wrote a proposal. And also you could be a new PM to a firm or organization and you get brought into existing projects that are very large projects. I mean, the first thing that you really want to do is get a look at that contract and go through it because that's going to really help you to make some of these decisions when it comes to 
things that are happening that shouldn't be happening or that, you know, you need to put extra work in on and you just need to be able to speak on that. Joanna, the whole thing with project management is everybody says, you know, finish on time and within budget. From your experience as a PM, what are some things that you could say that contribute most to successful projects, projects that are finished on time and on budget? What have you seen that you need to make that happen? I think it's all about managing priorities. You know, we all have a million things going on. It's easy to fall into the trap of doing the easy stuff first, but sometimes it's getting the hard stuff done that has the biggest impact on the overall job, which is the most, most important. And everybody has resources in their company. I hope that as a project manager, you don't feel like you're on your own. Nobody can project manage on their own. So it's about, you know, having references, having that, you know, arsenal of documents if you have, because people have questions and it's important to be confident and know how to answer them, especially in the specialty work, because there's a lot of questions about what we do, especially geotech people, because some of this stuff is just empirical over the last, I don't know, 60 years of the industry. You know, since World War II, it's like that's really when they started doing all this. So the specialty geotech industry is still pretty new. Like you said, you know, understanding the resources that you have available to you and how to utilize them effectively is really important. That's really a big part of this. And and I think priorities, like you said, the PMs that I've seen that have been most successful understand what has to be done on a project and the timeline of it. So in our training, we talk a lot about the critical path on a project, right? So understanding what that critical path is and knowing what those critical activities are on your schedule or tasks, those are the ones you got to really focus on because if those get delayed, your whole project gets delayed, right? And as a PM, you need to focus on that. So if someone comes to you with a problem, one of the first things you should look at is, is this problem really going to affect our schedule if we don't correct it in the next couple of hours and then kind of prioritize from there? Because there's just a lot of balls that you're juggling and to know you know, where to put your energy and your efforts, those are the types of things that you really need to be aware of. And Joanna, you mentioned resources. That's also another big challenge for PMs is kind of managing both internal and external resources. I don't know if you have any best practices or recommendations for that, but that seems to be a huge challenge in the industry. Yeah, just planning, you know, making sure that you're given the time up front before a project to plan and like get all your milestones, like you said, in order, figure out which materials have long lead times. Because really, in the last couple of years, the whole material lead time ball has really gotten bigger. It's hard to know cement itself isn't necessarily not available. It's the truck drivers to get it to you. So understanding how the industry is changing, how to evolve with it as we deal with inflation, labor shortages, all that stuff, just how to prepare for that so that you're prepared for when you do find the unforeseen things in the project because they happen. They're always going to be there. But having a good manager with you. So I'm not on site every day. I have multiple projects happening on a, at a time. So having trust in the people that you work with that are the day-to-day managers is also critical because without that, it just, it all kind of falls apart. And that's not the most glamorous of jobs, but 
it's one of the most important in the whole industry, the the people, the, the superintendents who are doing the day-to-day personnel management is really critical. That's, I think, my biggest resource. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but like you said, the planning, right? Like the project plan at the beginning of the project, planning for everything that's going to have to happen and when it's going to have to happen so that if it doesn't happen, there's a red flag for you saying, you know, we're off and we got to address it. Let's get together. Let's contact the superintendent or, you know, let's see what's going on here and why we've gotten to that point. And that's why the planning aspect is such a critical aspect when it comes to project management. I want to talk about safety. Safety is a a crucial aspect of all projects. Can you talk a little bit about the role of safety in managing large geotech projects and how you ensure that safety engineering controls are implemented to keep everybody safe, but also productive? Every company has a safety department now. Because when I started, we had a part-time marketing guy and his other half of his time was with safety. So the evolution of the last two decades where now we have four or five full-time safety managers. They're, again, an amazing resource. So at my level, what I'm looking at is housekeeping, where do we have a clean job? Do we have, you know, our materials organized? And I can help with that. I can sequence deliveries to have clean organization. And just seeing that have the biggest effect with compliance, with safety regulations, following our job hazard analysis for each activity. I mean, I'm lucky I have a lot of support on that aspect. We've spent time and money developing different types of equipment, like tools to help us do the work safely. And so my role is making sure we have those tools on the job because we get our tiebacks come in coils from the supplier. And we used to clip the coils and they would just spring open on the job site. So now we put them in an an uncoiler, which basically is a rotating barrel that when you clip the straps, the strand uncoils in the barrel. Basically, we were having broken ankles because these are just uncoiling at an incredible force. So making sure, hey, why don't we have one of those on this job and trying to work through ways to keep people's hands, bodies away from moving parts, rotating parts, anything that can grab you and pull you into a hole. You know, I mean, there's just so many dangerous things, but it's organization and housekeeping again. And those are the safest jobs because people have the correct PPE. There's just a good safety culture where people are looking out for each other. Yeah, I've seen a lot more of this too in recent years. We do a lot of work with construction engineering organizations and a lot of them from time to time, like we'll have a meeting with them and they'll start with a safety minute. They're trying to you know, get it out there to everybody, keep everybody thinking about safety, which is great. And I think you know, as a project manager and obviously as a licensed professional engineer, which we both are, you have a duty to the health and safety of everybody around you on these project sites. And it's really important. And therefore, in your planning stages, you need to consider safety. A lot of organizations have as part of their project management plans, a safety plan or a safety management plan that's in there as well, right? And that's a critical thing to go over at the beginning of the project. So you are aware of, number one, that there are safety factors in place, but also number two, what happens again if something goes wrong and how can you address it? How can you get help there as soon as you need to? So 
it is a very important part of project management. And unfortunately, when you hear about project management, people are constantly talking about scope, schedule, budget. Safety doesn't usually come up with those three, but that doesn't mean that it's not top of mind. And I've seen it top of mind with a lot of organizations. And to Joanna's point, it's definitely evolved over the years in terms of having many more people focused on it, which I think has been a very, very good thing for the industry. Yeah. And looking, we're big on those leading indicators, having the meetings, talking, you know, making work plans at the crew level. It's a big focus with us. We talked a little bit about their, like, you know, the responsibility to the community and, you know, the health and safety of the public and the environment around us. How do you kind of balance the needs of your projects with the needs of the surrounding community and the environment? In the last couple of years, we've had to inform community, organ- like a HOA, essentially, a, a civic group who is adjacent to the construction project. They were one of our stakeholders and we had to put together a presentation to say, okay, this is how loud we're going to be. They're worried about dust and mud and noise and vibrations and trying to quell everybody's fears about big construction site nearby. A lot of the work that we do is loud and dusty, but we assure people, hey, we use water to spray down the dust. They've developed ways to you know, drive piles that aren't so ways to get away from impact hammers and use these variable moment vibratory hammers, which the perception on the public is much less than driving around a city. You don't hear a lot of, you know, diesel pile driving anymore. And a lot of that is because of the community saying, we don't want to listen to this at 7 a.m. and all day. That's communication. Again, communicating expectations to the neighborhood, what we're doing. You know, a lot of the equipment is even moving to electrical. So you don't have those dirty, loud diesel hydraulic plants powering equipment. We've definitely, the construction industry has considered the public a lot more and just the safety and working around the public in these urban areas. We just have to be careful. Monitoring a lot of even a lot of the materials, cement has, they've made that type 1L cement, which is is a little bit more sustainable than type 1, type 2 Portland, has a little bit more limestone or, or something in it. There's a lot more concern about, hey, let's watching our spills. We're keeping better containment of washout areas. It's We're being a lot better stewards of the world around us, I think which is good. Can you maybe provide us with an example of a particularly challenging geotechnical project that you managed and kind of how you navigated it and dealt with some of the challenges? I always go back to this one job I had in Alexandria, Virginia, a couple of years ago, where we knew we were in an old rail yard. So in a lot of cities, it's they have these areas of the city where just all the old trains would come in and they would just dump contaminated soils, you know, filled with gas and, or, you know, diesel fuels and just metal scraps, old concrete foundations, rail ties. I mean, they're they're terrible projects to work on. We knew it would be bad soil conditions and we thought we were prepared for it, but we had a string of 30 tiebacks in a row that all failed. That was one of those moments where we had to say, 
did we make all these incorrect soil assumptions? Did we really just fail 30 Tyvex in a row? And the clients, you know, yelling at us, what are you guys doing? You don't know. We thought you knew. That's why we hired you. We thought you knew how to do a tieback in this kind of soil. And turns out it was our driller was doing the wrong thing with grouting. So we had to reinstall all those tiebacks in a quick amount of time. We had to own it with the client. And I found that I got more respect by saying, we did this wrong. We've corrected the problem. We're going to take the time to put in a quality product and we'll make it up. And that one to me always sticks out in my mind. It's I just had never had a situation where we failed like that. So obviously all in a row coming, having to decide how much resources to throw at it. Cause on jobs like that, what you have to pull from is jobs that are being managed well. And so now you're tanking two jobs because you're pulling resources from a job that's doing well. And that was a big, big challenge. And in situations like that, especially when we encounter, when we, we just don't know what the problem was, taking a step back, putting all the information in front of you, and just sometimes swallowing your pride is the best way to move forward. Figuring out what is the real problem and solving it as quickly as possible so that the product is a good product. The biggest thing is making sure we have a quality product because the public is walking on the sidewalks around our work. I mean, it's just not acceptable to have, you know, a low quality product is dangerous. So one thing that you said there that I think really stood out is the whole idea of being honest with a client when something goes wrong. It's a really, really valuable lesson. It happened to me a few times as a, as a licensed engineer, as a project manager. And, you know, I think obviously you always want to make your client happy. You don't necessarily want to have to deal with any kind of conflict or negative response. But at the end of the day, you need to be honest and they're going to appreciate that in the long term. And I think you'll have a better relationship with them because of that in the long term. And like you said, I mean, everything in our world is about quality. And if something is not of the right quality, then it needs to be addressed, regardless of if it's your work or whoever's work it is, it has to be done the right way and it has to be remedied. And I think that it stinks to have to go through a process or a project like that, but it's also probably one of those things that you learn so much from, and then you're so much better off as a PM throughout the rest of your career. We knew the soils were going to be challenging and we thought we were prepared and then just turned out our one guy was cut in a corner. So that was a challenging one. Well, listen, I want to just kind of recap a couple things that we got here that I think were really valuable. One, expectations. Joanna made it very clear that as a project manager, it's your responsibility to set expectations from the beginning of the project, reinforce those expectations as much as you can throughout the project. And if those expectations aren't met in any way, shape, or form, that needs to be addressed between the multiple parties involved in a project. And then this last piece that we just talked about, I think is really valuable as well is the honesty piece of it. I mean, like we said throughout this whole episode, things will go wrong on your projects, which is why planning is critical. Having a plan B, C, D, et cetera, is also important. And when those things do go wrong, if you have a plan, you'll know how to address them. But regardless of that plan, you're going to need to go to your client, the owner, whoever your client is, whoever you are have to report to and just let them know what's going on and let them know what your plan is to remedy that situation. And if you kind of get out in front of it and do that, it's going to be a tricky and tough and uncomfortable situation in the moment, but you'll find that your relationships over the long term 
will be better and you'll probably get a lot of returning clients because as much as they don't want to have problems, if there is a problem, which there always is on projects, they know that you're able to handle those problems. I think that shows big integrity. Yeah. Again, as licensed professional engineers, that's what we need to be thinking about every day. Quality, safety, integrity. I mean, these are things that when we take on the license, we take that on with it. And so it's good to hear that be reinforced as well, you know, throughout our conversation. So once again, Joanna Mason, Joanna's a licensed professional engineer, senior project manager at Schnabel Geostructural Design and Construction. Joanna, thanks for spending some time with us on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joanna. I really did enjoy it because these mega kind of construction projects, there's so many variables and so many things going on. I think a couple of things that she mentioned there about really setting the expectations, being honest with your client, and really understanding all of those variables can really be helpful for project managers. And I hope that you can leverage some of her advice. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at www.engineeringpmpodcast.com. That's engineeringpm for project management podcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering project management endeavors. 